0: If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew 17, verses 20 through 21. Matthew 17, 20 through 21. In 2014, Russia, under the direction of Vladimir Putin as president, invaded Crimea. Now, we've been hearing about this in the news probably incessantly. But one thing we need to understand and we can glean from this is President Putin has never kept secret his designs, his desires, his goals to take back all the nations that were part of the USSR. There are many, many countries in Eastern Europe, the Warsaw Bloc nations, uh, Warsaw Pact nations. And so he's always wanted to do that. Now fast forward to today. Ukraine has been invaded, other nations, uh, are, are involved in one aspect or another, and we are seeing a war before our eyes that is threatening to engulf all of Europe, and depending upon how this rolls out, even possibly the world. Now, what's interesting about this, if you look at it, Ukraine and the other European nations that are now uh, trembling have had much time to prepare. They knew what this man was about. They knew his nature, his character, and that he's only gotten worse. And yet, they didn't prepare. They had time to strengthen their economies, their military. Time to make alliances, but they did not. Maybe they expected the United States to come in and save them. Maybe they depended upon other nations to do for them what they should have been doing for themselves. And so they're now in this situation. Maybe even that other nations like us would fight for them so they wouldn't have to fight. Now, again, I know we're inundated with this, but please bear with me. Because there is a parallel to these events that are occurring in the physical that I want to compare and and, and use as a launching pad to shine a light on something that is happening in the spiritual. Since the birth of the church, we have been under assault by hell, by the world, and by the devil in one way or the other. The devil boasts, it says, it in uh, gives the devil's boast in uh, Daniel 7.25. It speaks about the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. That he will speak pompous words against the Most High. And get this, he will wear out the saints of the Most High. That's you and I. That is the devil's mission. That is his threat. That he desires to wear you and I down. To grind us down constantly through pressure, through war, through assault, through all these things. And I have spoken recently in the last couple of weeks to people, individuals, and I know that some of you are under this assault and you're feeling it. You're sensing it. It is not a mistake this is happening. Listen, we as a church have been experiencing revival. We are experiencing revival. And listen, the devil don't kick a dead dog. He's not going to just give up what we have taken from him. Souls and dominion and territory and spiritual power. He wants it all back and more and he will do whatever he has to do to get it back. And we cannot let him do that. We will not retreat. We will not just maintain where we're at, but we will go forward, upward and onward. The devil speaks and describes his nature and says that he was a liar, a murderer, a thief from the beginning. That all he wants to do is steal, kill, and destroy. That he, he stalks us as a roaring lion looking whom he might devour. He wants to devour. He doesn't just want to have a little bit of your life. He wants it all. He is the one you and I to have any of it. Pastor Hickerson, you're going to stir up. yeah, I'm stirred up, because we, we have a war that we need to fight. All of us have a part to play in this, from the youngest to the oldest, and we need to be aware of this. Because of this, listen, what we must do and this is the title of my sermon, we must prepare to prevail. That is the mandate that Jesus gives us. We're not just to sit and hide, and cower, and, 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 and be meek, and, oh, the devil's so... How about we make the devil scared of us? Yes, you ever thought about that? I'll tell you what, I hate living in fear. I hate the feeling of fear. I'm not saying I don't get fearful, but when I sense that, it gets me so angry, and I just want to fight. I just want to hit something. It's like, you got an anger problem. Listen, you can be angry at certain things, It's what you do with your anger as pastor preached that makes a difference. You can have, in fact, we ought to have a righteous anger about certain things. If you're a real Christian, there's things in this world you should get angry about because they're wrong, they're evil. But what are you going to do with that anger? What are you going to do? Complain? That doesn't do anything. Jesus wants us to do something, and he's made a way for us to do that. Our text, Matthew 17, verses 20 through 21. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you that you speak to your people, God. I'm asking your Holy Spirit to anoint, God, you know the assaults that your people are under, this this church is under, the future and what you have designed for us. I pray that you would equip and use this sermon, that you would encourage, God, that you would stir to action, Father, not just for a short period of time, but Lord, that would set the course for the rest of our life. We thank you, Father. We ask you to speak to us and move in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want to look at is the weapons of our warfare. In our text, Jesus says that without faith, it is impossible. Faith is key. You and I can do nothing. We cannot traffic in the supernatural if we do not have faith in Christ, if we do not have faith in God and His power. In our text, we see Jesus points this out, and this is something that we oftentimes, we overlook. Listen, Not having faith is not optional. You must have faith. If you want to please God, you must have faith. If you want to receive anything from God, you must have faith. If you want to pray and be effective in your prayers, you must have faith. Everything in the Christian life stems from this. You must have faith in God and in His Word. In other words, what God said, He said. Period. But the world has changed. What God said, he said. That's it. But I feel your feelings are wrong. What God has said, he said. Amen? That's how we need to process life and and wage this warfare. Listen, according to Jesus, it does not require vast amounts of faith to do things. You only need a little faith, a mustard seed size of faith. You only need a little faith that's unmovable to move a mountain. But so many times we allow things to shift our faith. Listen, God has given us resources. He's given us weapons. Now, this is a brief sermon. I could probably make a... 12-part series on this, but I have to condense this. So you're going to have to do your own studying and reading and praying on your own. I'm just going to highlight some things. Amen? Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians 1.8, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, in the context there, Paul is talking about forgiveness. But there's a whole host of other things, devices, strategies launched against your life, crafted in hell for us, for certain specific times in our life. It's like a pit where the devil can see where we might be walking. And so what does he do? He puts a snare there. He puts a pit with punji sticks and he's just waiting for us. He makes a nice path. He makes things nice in our life and makes it easy. So we'll go along that game trail until we fall into that thing and we're impaled on that and then we're certain. He sits and waits. He doesn't sleep. We gotta sleep. He doesn't sleep, but he does this for moments when he can spring the trap. When we fall into it, we must not be ignorant. Well, how are we not going to be ignorant? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 through 5. Paul writes, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. I love that he put that in there. He's saying that they're carnal. And then he says mighty. You know why he says that? Because carnality is weakness. Cornality when fighting spiritual things will not avail. We think we're so, you know, guys get all macho. I'm a spiritual. I can bench press 350 pounds, but you can't lift the Bible up. I can say the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, but you can't pray for 30 minutes or half an hour. Weak. Weak. Can I say it again? Weak! Be- the reason I'm saying that, some of you think you're bad. Until the devil comes and slaps your lips off. And then you're like a little puppy. Pastor, the devil is <laughs> so mean. me What happened, bro? They called me a Jesus freak at work today. You haven't been called anything worse than that before? Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not weak, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's how we grow strong spiritually, is utilizing the weapons, part of which is our mind, which is where most of the battle takes place. Amen? Amen. We can be bad in our mind, can't we? We can also do some really bad things in our mind. I have killed people up here. I have murdered people here. No one, no one here, ha, I, not here. But I have murdered people here in my mind and thought it out and then had to repent because that's wrong and you go got to hell for that stuff. Right? You ever cuss someone out in your mind? I was telling my wife the other day there was something that was going on at work caused by our government, and I was even as a sinner, I didn't give the, the one-finger salute, but, but there were things that come on after I read email, and in my mind, I was given a lot of one-finger salutes, and I had to repent, because I was angry, it was a righteous anger, but in my mind, I was doing the wrong thing, so the battle goes on here, it can be a powerful tool against the enemy. Listen, God does not want us to be ignorant. He wants us to be wise. We're not helpless, defenseless victims. Oh, I hate that. Oh, the devil's so mean. I don't know if I can fight him. How long have I been saved? Ten years? What? You're judging. Listen, you know what God? You know how God views us? Warriors. The army of God. Soldiers for Christ. He uses very militaristic words in the Bible. Because we have a mission. Because he knows we're under assault. From Old Testament and New Testament. Even now. Until Jesus comes back. We are not without resources. We are not without allies. Here and in heaven. And so we often come under attack. But the problem is we don't avail ourselves of the weapons that we have in an armory that God has established. Amen? It's almost like the devil has tricked us. Well, you need, you need to put a trigger lock on your prayers. You need to put five trigger locks on your prayers. You know, by the time you get done trying to get other things off, someone's dead already. Someone's lost a victory already. Amen? Convince us that, oh, well, you don't really get to pray. This is not serious now. Only certain things are, require prayer. Only certain things rise to the challenge of you actually needing to pray for more than a minute. You know, in 2003, in the war in Iraq, there was a term that was coined called shock and awe. And what it was, was a massive bombardment from uh, Air Force, from Navy, from artillery on the land, to totally just shock and awe anyone who was there, to cause them to not be able to fight. The term was originally developed in the 1990s that relies on uh, rapidly deployed overwhelming force to cow an enemy. And Satan uses shock and awe attacks on our lives. You ever have something in your life and everything's happening? The dog's sick, the cat's sick, the kids are sick, the car's in a wreck. You know, someone sold your identity and now your your bank account's attacked. No one's getting saved. Your mini trying, right? Shock and awe. And you're left there going, What do I do? What do I do? You're you're paralyzed. It's like you're having spiritual PTSD. And you don't know what to do. And that is by design. That is what the devil wants you to do. What that's what he wants us to to do is to, to be cowed to not do anything. To be cowed, in fact, to switch sides. To desert the kingdom of God and say, oh, well, you know, life was so much better as a sinner because I didn't have these things happening to me. Because you were on the losing side. You already had you. He didn't have to fight you. He wants to force into a fog of war where we feel helpless and unable to get our spiritual bearings, but we have to recognize that we're under this assault, and then we have to act accordingly. In Psalms 144, 1 through 2, it says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle, my loving kindness in my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge, who, sus- who subdues people under me. David is saying that God has taught me how to fight the right way, and he is the one who shelters me. He is the one who protects me. He is the one who, if I need shelter, I can hide under his mighty wings. And he'll protect me. In fact, he'll go to battle with me. Sometimes he fights and he says, you just stand there and pray and praise me and watch what I can do. Hold my water for me. You know, when I was in the military, there was things we did in basic training that were mind-numbing. And repetitive. Okay, how many of you guys in the army? Sports, right? Sports with weapons training. You know it. We do that. You do that in your sleep, right? The, the drill sergeant could say sports, and you're doing it already. Ready, done. Some of us did do it half an hour sleep. We built up muscle memory through practice and repetition until we innately took the proper action. Without having to question or think through the whole thing. Because in a time of crises, that's when you need to act. Just like that. We need to build spiritual muscle memory, if you will. That these spiritual weapons that are are available to us, that when the devil assaults us, when the devil assaults those we love, our church, that we don't sit there in the fog of war going, right? But we know what to do. We know how to load the weapon. We know how to focus in. We know how to sight. We know how to shoot, move, and communicate. All these things. Because we've trained ourselves how to fight. Amen? Second thing I want to look at, and again, I have to go really brief on this, is prayer and fasting. Don't groan. I felt some of you, oh, no, he said that F word, fasting. Ah. We need to have a spiritual preparation. It says in Matthew 4, 1-2, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. Here it is. Jesus baptized. He's going to start his public ministry. And what does the Holy Ghost do? He says, fast for 40 days while you're being tempted. Not after. While. This fasting and prayer which he did other times than this, but this is the one time we have recorded for the longest, was in preparation for him to face the devil and to face the other things in his life that he would have to do. Face other things in his ministry that he would have to deal with. Amen? Now let's think of this. Jesus was perfect. Fully God. Fully man. And yet he felt the need to fast to prepare himself. I am nowhere near... Him as far as that goes. How can I? How can you and I say, I don't need to fast and pray that much. I'm okay, I got this. I've been saved for fill in the blank for how much time it is. If Jesus felt the need to do that for His ministry, how much more do we need to? Amen? Now, a biblical fast basically it consists of you consecrating yourself before God for a time where you're going to go without food and seek God more earnestly in prayer. If you're fasting and not praying, you're starving. Okay? You're just starving. There's physical benefits, but that's all they are physical. Okay? So when you fast, and I do recommend it, you, you ought to pray. What you ought to do is rank up, ramp up the frequency and perhaps even the length of time that you pray. Use the time that you would be eating or preparing food to pray. And read the Bible. Feed your spirit a little more. Amen? Spend time really seeking God. Focusing. Intercede for others. Amen? And again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into all the practical details and things on how to fast, what's really a biblical fast, all that Ask your Bible study leader. Ask someone on staff. Ask a mature Christian who's actually fasted and prayed. And we can answer some questions pertaining to that. You know, maybe I'll put together a whole Bible study or something like that. but, But tonight I can't do that. But listen, here is one verse you can use for this. A basis. Isaiah 58, 6 through 9. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you may break every Yoke. Isn't God good? Not some yokes. Every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here i am that is what god says about fasting the purpose and what happens when you and i will choose to fast and pray and seek him here's some practical reasons one again draw closer to god it is to break spiritual strongholds in someone's life in your life in a circumstance or situation to break bonds of sin if you have sinful habits fast pray Get rid of the sinful stuff if it's physical, but fast and pray. Because there's a soul link there that can only be broken spiritually. You can be delivered of habits that are sinful. Burdens, oppressions, all these things. And again, it's not just in your life, but in other people's. Amen? And get this. You don't even have to tell them you're fasting and praying for them. You can just do it. And then see what God does. Let Him get the glory. It's to crucify your flesh, the old selfish nature that puts you as number one and you as throne in your life. We think so much of ourselves sometimes, don't we? Too much. Fasting will tend to kill that. It's to seek an answer from God, wisdom from God, to seek favor from God, even perhaps mourning and repentance. You read in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, When they would sin, when uh, 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 people would sin or have done wrong or were in trouble, they would wear sackcloth and ashes and they would pray and seek God. as an outward sign of their repenting of sin or mourning for for someone. You can pray and fast for the defeat of enemies. Amen. So are you fighting them? You have God fight them. He does it a whole lot better. For miracle healing or miracle provision. All these things you'll find examples of in the Bible when it comes to prayer and fasting. The last thing I'm going to look at is when victory dawns. Because here's the thing. When you and I will fast and pray the way God intended as outlined in that scripture in Isaiah, God brings supernatural breakthrough. There is a clarity of thought. There is a revelation. There is a discernment. There is answers and direction from God for your life and for your ministry. Something happens in the life of the individual and the church who fasts and prays. There is an increased presence of God in your life. There is a supernatural power and dominion. In our text in verse 21, Jesus tells this, he reveals this. he gives the disciples a quick class about spiritual dominion, and he says, however, this kind does not come up except for prayer and fasting. So listen, here's the thing, this kid was not bipolar. He had a demon! I had to say that, because some people now want to excuse everything that's demonic as psychological and a chemical imbalance. No, 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 no! The only imbalance was when the demon drowned the kid in water, and he didn't have enough air! He was a demon. Disciples had already done some ministry empowered by Jesus. And so here's this guy. They bring the boy to him. What a wicked thing. stinking demon. Drowning a kid. Catch him on fire. Cause him to hurt himself. To kill himself. That's exactly what the spirit was trying to do was destroy that kid. They bring bring the disciples because they maybe saw him minister and they can't do anything. They probably sound like Jesus, you know. The name of my Father, loose! You know, like we do. We try to sound like our pastor, like Pastor Mitchell, right? Try to to press someone on the head and put them down. Loose! Or if you're short, loose! Loose! Nothing, right? So the disciples went through that. And Jesus says the key is prayer and fasting. The disciples hadn't done it. Jesus did. He prepared to prevail. Had the disciples had a little faith and prayed and fasted, they could have cast out that demon. You know what's amazing and, and comforting to me is the same disciples that failed then succeeded in the book of Acts. Right? Peter and John went to pray. They find the man lame in the way. He's begging. What does Peter do? He doesn't go, oh, shikorama katsatai. Come on, John, warm up with me. Come on, man. Oh, we're going to have a prayer meeting, then we'll pray. No. They ain't even prayed yet. They were on their way to prayer. Okay? And with it, I don't have any money, man, but what I have, I'll give to you. Get up in the name of Jesus. Boom! And he's healed. Just like that. Because Peter had prayed and fasted, John had prayed and fasted. They prepared to prevail. The same disciples that failed, they learned, and they prevailed. And we can do the same. Prayer and fasting is the best secret weapon that we have. It is the most powerful weapon, and yet oftentimes it's the last resort instead of the first thing we turn to in a moment of crisis or difficulty. When we're under assault, many times it's panic and wondering, why me and why this, instead of, you know what? This is a stinking devil. We need to pray about this. We need to fast about this. Many times people have tried that, but listen, listen. I know it's not easy. I am not saying it's easy, but it's necessary if you want breakthrough. It is needful. Or if you've noticed, if you've been around for any length of time, the world is not getting better. The devil's not taking a siesta. He's pushing the the, the pedal, the gas pedal, all the way to the floor as much as he can. Why don't we do the same? Individually, corporately, why don't we do the same? Many times we can become weary, and well, I, I, I've tr- I've tried. I've been there. I've been praying for. I've been praying for my mother to get saved. How many years? Thirty-one. I've been praying for my mom to get saved for thirty-three years, and I'm still praying for her to get saved. Have I gotten tired of it? Yeah. How stubborn can one woman be? All right? Still praying. Because as long as she's breathing, there's hope. There's hope. Amen? But there's times in my life where it's like, you know what? I don't know about this. And I haven't made prayer the first thing I've gone to. But I And I learned, you, you better make prayer the first thing you go to. Because the results occur in God's timing, many of us don't employ it because it requires patience hate that don't we Ephesians 6.14 Paul writes and he says stand therefore having gird your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness in other words take your place in the formation take your place in the spot in the church where God wants you to be do your part everyone can give witness come to church fellowship and pray everyone can do that no special gifting at all Required to do those things. Listen, victory will come if we will stand, if we will prevail and not retreat when we fight God's way with God's weapons. In Deuteronomy 9.3, here is what God says to the children of Israel. Therefore, understand today, the Lord your God is He who goes before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them, in other words, the Canaanites, that He's commanding them to go kick out of the land because they did some really nasty things. Uh, bring them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. God says, if you will just go and obey me and fight, you will win. Gary, ironclad guarantee, you will win. He gives us the same promise: if you and I will fight on His terms with His weapons, we will win. Not we might win; we will win. Now listen, let me say this real quick. I'm going to bounce this out. That doesn't mean you get things your way, your time, right? You get it in God's time, in His way. He's sovereign, but you will win. Because God is the one who fights for us and with us. You can read in the Bible examples of victory. Here, Here is David, spends time as a shepherd, praying, worshiping God, And God uses this time to build his faith, to build his boldness. And it wasn't to kill wild animals. That was the basic training part. It was to kill a giant. It was to kill Philistines. It was to rule a nation as a godly king. Esther entreats Mordecai to join her and her maidservants to pray and fast when Haman hatches a plan to kill all the Jews. She receives a plan. She receives favor from the king. And Haman and all the enemies of Israel are delivered into her hand and die. And because of her and their prayers and their fasting, there's a nation called Israel to this day. That's powerful. That's victory. Lastly, Daniel's in prayer and fasting. Often you can read in the book of Daniel. And God shows him many things, things that bother him, things that disturb him. And so he prays even more. He sees angels, he sees visions, and he prevails in prayer, so much so that uh, an angel comes to him in Daniel 10, 12 through 13. Says uh, Daniel records, he says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set in your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words, because of your prayers, I am here. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he's talking about a demon spirit that had dominion over that area, withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the, king, the kings of Persia. In conclusion, this war in Ukraine. Here it is, Russia has been bombarding them and trying everything possible. It's almost funny. You know, most people thought one day, Ukraine's done. And they've been lasting. They've been not just surviving, they've been having victories, embarrassing victories, which I think is awesome. Russia has devastated their power resources, their communications, killed kids, women, schools, hospitals, all over the place. And what happens? Now, I'm not saying this guy's saved, but I like this. I like this story. Elon Musk swoops in with his SpaceX company that has put satellites in space. He aids the country with Starlink technology. I had to look up what this was this Starlink technology. Here's a snippet of what it is. It provides high-speed, low-latency broadband internet access across the globe, ideally suited for areas where connectivity has been unreliable or completely unavailable. People can use Starlink to gain access to education, health services, communication, and support during natural disasters. I read that, and I said, that's prayer. When we're in a place that's devastated, the wilderness, and we need help, and what has God provided for us? link to Him. We can pray. He provides. When we pray, what does He provide? Wisdom. Healing. Direction. Protection. All these things that He has set up on purpose ahead of time for us so that we can prevail. He's provided a link to Him through prayer, through fasting, where we can seek these things. But here's the key. We have to choose to prepare to prevail. You have to engage your will. It's not going to be like you pray tonight and then you're just on autopilot. Every single day. And listen, the devil's going to resist it. He hates prayer. He hates when we talk to God. He especially hates when we speak in tongues. Because he doesn't know what we're saying! You want to get the devil angry? Speak in tongues. Do it all, when you start feeling that pressure or feeling bad, do it some more. Just to tick him off. Because what's happening is your spirit is communing through the Holy Spirit. God, when you don't want to pray, when you're confused, the Holy Spirit is speaking for you. And you have an advocate before God and He gives you power and He prepares you to prevail as you do that. I want every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. No one looking around. I do not expressly speak about salvation tonight. But I will say this. That if you're not saved, you're on the wrong side in this spiritual war.